This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by the Kingsridge Elderberry, QP Goat Soap, Backwards Planning Financial, Private Family Banking, and by our supporters at Patreon.com. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bright Hearth. Ryan Sove here with my lovely wife, Lexi. Say hi to the people, Lexi. Hi, people. And Hello. it's just us today. No Alfred. No little people squeaking. They're all in bed. Ideally. <laughs> Theoretically. <laughs> Although maybe they figured out that when we're recording Bright Hearth, we have headphones on. And well, I, I do at least. I can hear. You and can we hear. do stop. Yeah, we do. We do issue some spanks. Sometimes we time travel through the episodes on from your perspective. <laughs> it's like you don't even realize that we just went and dished out some hot discipline. Anyway, welcome back, everybody. We are glad that you're here. And uh, we're in a Q&A season of Bright Hearth where we're answering your questions. You can still send those in using the form in the description of this episode. And uh, But we're actually following up with one that it's not exactly uh, one that was sent in. This is an episode that is a little bit more responding to some questions or comments from two episodes ago where we talked about extreme dieting, uh, extreme diets, food fussing, fellowship, and that kind of thing. And I thought this was a great conversation that some of you guys were having on Twitter. And by guys, I mean ladies, let's be honest. Some of you ladies. And uh, I thought- I thought you said this was Facebook. Facebook is for baby boomers. They don't I was going to say, Hearth. I feel like those are two different. Yeah, they um, don't listen to Bright Hearth. Oh, okay. So this wasn't Facebook. Okay. No, they are in their RVs traveling around. Okay. <laughs> um, avoiding their Well, I thought it was weird when you said on Facebook. I'm like, that's an odd spot for this conversation. They're have. avoiding their grandchildren, posting pictures of their vacations. The Bright Hearthers are on Twitter talking about okay. food quality. So I hope Bright Hearthers <laughs> still call it Twitter, by the way. I, I'm if not you're a Bright Hearther. Don't call it X. I'm not calling it X, guys. Tweeting is so much cuter. It's so mu- yeah, it's much more adorable. And that's how I base everything in my life. Me I do too. the most adorable thing at all times. Those are the words I choose for Scrabble. Quote me on what that. What is the most adorable thing I could play right now? Actually, that's literally how Lexi <laughs> plays Scrabble. She or Settlers care. of Catan. She's easy to beat. I know I can't win that game, so I just try and gather as many sheep as I can. If Lexi instead. could play like duck, <laughs> or if she could play like a seven oolong. I remember word. I was so happy when I got oolong once <laughs> and still lost. Anyway, <laughs> babe, what's our question for this evening? In a recent episode, you guys talked about hospitality issues that can arise with extreme diets, ultra crunchy ladies and food fussing. But what about the issues with our food system? Isn't being too fat a bigger problem than being too crunchy? Isn't obesity and non-existent food standards more of an issue than ladies who take good food standards too far? Yes. All right, next episode. <laughs> I mean, I have some pushback to what you're saying, though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> to what? To what? You think that being too crunchy is a bigger problem than obesity in America? Well, no, no I do agree that that is a bigger problem. Okay, that's what America. I was saying. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think to that question. Obviously, if we we're going to look at like the overall picture of even just evangelical Christianity, mm-hmm. then you go to the average SBC church. 
which is that is like the prototypical American church. Mm-hmm. It's not. We're in a very small niche of reformed Christianity, and even a niche within that niche that cares yeah. a lot about women being feminine and being in the home and a lot of that. So it's easier for us to then like kind of forget to zoom out and go, oh yeah, but in the average Christian church in America, it's like you're much, much, much more likely, probably 997 to one ladies who are not caring much about food standards in terms yeah. of health or quality. So And we yeah. live, like you and I live in Utah. Yeah. Where this is even like the, like, Idolatri- idolatrous yes. in some ways. So yeah. it's even weirder when we go to other states and experience Christian culture. We're like, whoa. Yeah, that's a great point. This is not what it's like at home. Because we are much more exposed to, like seriously, guys, the reason that we address the things we did in that episode quite a bit is because it's actually probably the more common thing yes. we pastorally, Correct. and I don't mean Lexi's a pastor, I mean in the context of the church, Yeah, we we deal much more with too crunchy than yes. you know than too lax for yes, sure. Yes, that's true. Um, so it was actually I was thankful though for the for the response to the episode because it, you guys are being thinkers. Yeah, it reminded me. Oh yeah, like there are there's a much broader culture even than what we're used used yeah. to dealing with because the Mormons are also very appearance driven. Yes, they tend to be kind of their own weird flavor of crunchy. Yeah, when yeah, you say for sure. yeah, definitely. Like, but also they wear like a centimeter of makeup. Yep. It's a weird thing. And use a whole bottle of hairspray. And, but doTERRA. But doTERRA. But they got that doTERRA. But they got all the oils. It all balances it out. It is. It's very strange. I th- yeah. Yeah. We could we could do a whole episode on why they're better at creating culture than Christians are. But Yeah. Why Mormons, in a, in a sense, they, they actually put us to shame in some of totally. the areas. They have a lot of obviously bad streaks and it doesn't end well. Yeah. But they do. And they, at least they, for a long time, did care about like thick family culture. Yeah. So it shows up in our state in that mm-hmm. a lot of the time we do, we actually, I mean, and for years we've, we've dealt with and uh, in the church and I've discipled through really all gamut. I mean, from. Well, okay. Think about this way. Miss America, Hannah, uh, ballerina farms. She's Mormon guys. She lives like an hour away from oh, us. Oh yeah. She's Mormon in here. So that's, that's like, that's what we're dealing with mm-hmm. here is that type of culture. Yeah. What I was saying is that we've had, the, the the gamut. So it, in one six month period, I'm probably having several conversations about food fussing, about the stuff we talked about two episodes ago, probably having a conversation about like how to, how to help your wife or your family, like overcome low standards, obesity, trying to do a better job there. So really mm-hmm. we genuinely have the whole gamut. Yeah, here. we do. And I would just say that just because 95 people in America might fall in one ditch and maybe only seven people into the other ditch, we still should talk about both ditches. Yeah. So now we do want to talk about that other ditch. And so I would frame it by saying it is absolutely true that overall we have a far bigger problem with obesity than being too crunchy. But I think that the way that I would put it is even that our culture has a very low view of food overall. That's what I was going to say is I do believe a lot of people's obesity problems is not first sin. It's that the government is involved in too many things that they shouldn't be involved in. And so they're putting a lot of stuff in our food that people don't even know about. So I think we have to be careful when we are talking about this obesity thing because those of us on the crunchier side can start to treat it almost like a secret Gnosticism. Like, well, if you just knew what was in that, if you can ascend to this higher secret knowledge about what's in your Chick-fil-A chicken nugget, you wouldn't eat it. And that's Gnosticism. And it's that's not what's going to win people over. What's going to win people over is your hospitality and you're teaching them to enjoy good food. And Doug talks about this in um, Food Catholic in terms of like, just if you love what you're doing when you're cooking the good quality food then do it for the love of the thing, not out of fear. Fear has no place in this. Discover the gentle touch of QP Goat Soap. That's right. She said goat soap. Introducing QP Goat Soap, a Christian, homeschooling, family-owned business with a great story behind it, one that really captures the heart of what we're all about here on Bright Hearth. For Quinn Pittman's ninth birthday, he convinced his parents to get him a pair of Nigerian dwarf goats, known for their sweet and creamy milk. Quinn not only excelled at caring for his small flock, it's since grown. Now an enterprising 16-year-old, 
Quinn and his family makes high-quality soaps that will leave your skin feeling soft and silky smooth from the increase of his herd. Head over to QPGoatSoap.com or tap on the link in the description of this episode to pick up a pack of his handcrafted soap today. Available in men's, women's, seasonal scents, and more, you'll love this family-owned business. And even better, use the code WRITE10 at checkout for a discount on your order. You can find that code in the description as well. That's right, and that code is all lowercase, bright 10 B-R-I-G-H-T-1-0, at checkout for a discount on your order. Do you desire to be shrewd financially for your family? It takes wisdom and dedication to build and pass on personal wealth as mature, responsible leaders must. Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial is at your side to integrate investments, debt, insurance, tax strategies, and legacy planning in a holistic approach. He coaches his clients to act wisely with the resources God expects us to turn a profit on, to love our children and grandchildren well. Tap on the link to his website in the description and contact him to get started. Or visit him directly at backwardsplanningfinancial.com. Yeah, we're we're going to try to win people through beauty and truth, not through anxiety and fear. Correct. That's like, not going to help. That's the biggest note that we'd want you to to hit here is that you have a note of thankfulness, of joy, and of vigor and hard work in pursuing good high yeah. food standards in a non anxious, non screechy way. No, no screeching, ladies. Screeching is no. not good. It's funny. I think in our culture. One of one of the, the paradoxes is that we have a low view of food because we've in some ways worshipped food and made food a god. And when and the thing is, when you worship anything that's not supposed to be worshipped, you end up degrading it. So we end up relying in America on food to medicate our guilt, mm-hmm, to that's true. deal with boredom, to try and eat away our nihilism where there's no meaning in our lives anymore, no transcendence. And so we tend to run from cheap, short-term joy and pleasure to cheap, short-term pleasure in our lives. This is not just a food issue. This is also a social media issue. It's a culture in general. We have a very thin culture. And so we use bad food, cheap, quick, high-pleasure food to medicate ourselves and then we also use that same bad, cheap, processed food to try to make up for having kicked our women out of the home and out of kitchens, so they're no longer in the home. So now we have to rely on all of these. We have to basically replace the woman yeah. with and her skill and the intergenerational skill being yeah. handed down and the hard work and the love that's put into it. And we basically have to replace that yes. with as cheap and as fast as possible. And and so I do think that it's it's very important for us to see as Christians trying to build better culture and trying to fight a culture war with a beautiful culture is to make sure that we 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 do say right here up front that as keepers of the home, as ladies of the hearth, godly women must care about having good food standards, caring for the health of their people, and being women who work hard at growing in these things. So you might not be you know, you don't have to have the wisdom of four generations if you're a first-generation Christian two years into your marriage. But are you growing in these things, and are you actually including that? The reason we read Proverbs 31 is because she cared about food. Several references there. But yeah. her, her care where she's working very hard and creatively to make sure that the part, part of the household she's overseeing is that the people in her home are loved through food. Also, she wasn't just pro local food. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, she I always her find food it. From afar. Yes, I always find it funny that she brings her food from afar. Yeah, it's it's. I think part of growing in this skill. We're going to talk very practically about these skills as well, and things Lexi has done. Part of these skills is that we're taking dominion in this, and we are we're not just trying to go back to our our. Uh, you know, I'm going to use the the evolutionist term. They're not right about this, but like our Paleolithic Neanderthal relatives so that we can go back to our evolutionary diet. Mm-hmm. Like we're genuinely saying mm-hmm. we're going to lean into the whole tradition of obviously our forefathers and not just reject them in this shallow modernity, but we're also going to grow. We're going to use tools. It's like don't feel like you're not being a good mom if you use the great high, you know, caliber 
commercial food stand mixer that your grandma would have like fainted if she saw it. It's so glorious. That's a that's a glory. Like praise the Lord for human beings taking dominion and doing good. But let me ask you this, Lexi, up front. I have some reasons jotted down here. Okay. But I think this is a good place to start. Why do families not eat well? What are some reasons that families don't eat well? And I gave one already. We've kicked mom out of the hearth. Yeah, I wanted to comment. The yeah, fast ahead. food industry and grocery stores came as a result, not all grocery stores, but to the capacity that we have them today, came literally as a direct result of specific feminists getting together and saying, this whole thing we want to have happen called feminism isn't going to work unless we have quick food. Mm, that's and a good so point. that I think that I'm trying to find the book on my Goodreads right now. I think it was a salt, fat, sugar book where I uh-huh. read that. So that was really eye opening to me. Yeah. To answer your question. Yeah. So so we've but riff on that a little bit more, because I think this is really fascinating and helps us see why this is not a neutral issue. Well, I mean, they they understood like if mom's going to be at the factory all day, she's going to be tired when she gets home and hungry. She's not going to have time to cook or grow the food that she cooked or prepare the food that she grew. Yeah. So we got to have someone else do that for her. Yeah. And we have to do it cheaply and quickly because of how many people we have to feed. I mean, yeah. think about it is a full-time job, me cooking. I can't be out of the home for very often during the day no. or my family would not be fed. Like if we all just went to work tomorrow, that would be a whole mass of people that aren't getting fed. Yeah. So it had to be quick, fast, efficient, cheap. And that affects what kind of food you're going to make. Correct. I think this is, and I wrote this down as another reason families don't eat well is that culturally we tend to worship cheapness above all and convenience above all. That was the first thing I was going to say is most people think that it's cheaper and there's a double, I think there's two, this is twofold. They think it's cheaper until you get a certain number of kids. Then you realize actually this is flipping expensive (laughs) to do processed food. And yeah, we can't afford it. We literally can't afford processed food or eating out very much. But the other issue is that, like I have a problem that when I go to Walmart, the government paid for part of that food for me. I have a personal problem with that. (laughs) Um, So it's not actually cheaper. It's just that the government is paying for it for you. This is your, this is the diet that the government, and you got to think about this way, like in Russia during the Soviet debacle, Soviet union, (laughs) communism. Yeah. They had one cookbook that they could all cook from because that was the food the government wanted to provide them. We're not there yet, but it's almost there. Yeah, central planning. Yeah. It's funny because you you can get there from two. You can get there via communism, where this is ultra-central planning, and you can also get there from cultural engineering via crony capitalism, yes. where all of the... You think it's a free market, but it's actually just the government as expressed in five to ten huge corporations that produce everything. Yeah. So instead of having one cookbook, you have one company that makes everything. And yeah. so, hey... You don't want seed oils in your food? Too bad. Too bad. We've got one company. They make everything. And that's what I mean about some of this isn't like the obesity issue. It's not always someone's fault. They're not always gluttons. And the reason I say this is because people will say, I went to Italy and ate the same exact food and I lost weight. So that shows me it's not a gluttony issue all of the time as much as it is they're also sneaking stuff in there that we just don't know because we've given them so much control. Does that make sense? Yeah. I I do think there is an obesity issue. I'm not saying that's not true. I do think that at the end of the day, part of the reason why people go to Europe and lose weight is it has part to do with the the food, but it also has to do with... Walking, is that what you're saying? They're walking everywhere and their culture is built differently around even everyday life. But, But I would also say... So... Gluttony, sin, I mean, obesity is always going to be our responsibility because obesity is going to always be the result of eating more calories than you use in your body. And where the food quality comes in is that when you ultra process all of your food, Mm -hmm. you make it so easy to eat a tremendous number of non-nutritive calories. Yes. Calories that are not nourishing you. Yeah. They are empty calories is not a bad phrase for them. They're calories that are not providing you with the minerals and the nutrients and the protein and the things that your body actually needs. And instead, you kind of walk around as like a fat, starved person in mm-hmm. a weird sense where you're nutrient depleted. Yes. But you're also, you're just g- building up this huge bulk of body fat. Yeah. 
And so I, it is all interconnected where yeah. there's a lot of sin in the supply chain yes. that's also then making it easier for us to not be wise in ruling ourselves well. So then we've given ourselves over to be ruled by fools and then you just get obesity because you're basically, it, it's, it's going to be a sin somewhere. It's probably going to be like where the, the main sin is probably located is, is in a failure of self-rule. Yeah, that yeah, that's what I was going to say because because self-rule can take into consideration your exercise, your calories yeah. and your knowledge and where your food is coming from. Exactly. So, and I, yeah. and again, I'm not saying your food has to come from the friend in your church, but you should I do think it's wise for Christians to have a little bit of nutritional information. Yeah, absolutely. In their brains, so. Okay, um, sorry to derail you. Keep going you, to the next question. Yeah, why why do families not eat well? Okay, we've worshiped cheapness and convenience. I think that's a huge one. Where we, and you raised a great point there, I don't want to gloss over it too quickly, that a lot of what we think we see as cheap is actually coming at the expense of the theft of inflation and taxation through subsidies. So you may think that you're getting this, oh, this is so cheap for me. Someone's paying for it somewhere. Your neighbor's paying for it. You're paying for it. I think another reason that's less technical and less about like the food chain is that as a culture, we have stopped being thankful. And so we have failed to give thanks for our food. We failed to recognize where it comes from. We've made it into a little God. Our, like Paul says, their God is their belly. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we've done that. And, and what you lose when you stop being thankful is you stop eating Coram Deo, which is before God. You stop doing your eating before God and thinking, wow, I actually, this is an act of either righteousness or unrighteousness. My eating is not a neutral act. I'm either going to receive this food with thankfulness and use the strength it gives me to love the Lord and do that in thankfulness to, the, to God, the God who gave it to me, or I'm going to be like a, a brackish stream and a brackish pond that has all inflow and no outflow. And, and I really do think that cultures of thankfulness to God eat differently. And they feast differently. Mm-hmm. And they have family table cultures that are different. But part of the reason that it's so easy to lose your thankfulness is, again, a lot of the way that human beings are wired to express our thanks is by receiving a gift from God, but through a mediated face, a person, that we can express our thankfulness to and, 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 and give thanks to God via our thanks to the person. And to be clear, I'm actually talking about the wife, the woman in the home, where when you learn good manners in a good Christian home, when kids learn good manners, they learn to thank mama for making the dinner, right? They, mm-hmm. they thank mom. They should. Our and kids they should. have to thank mom. Yeah, whoever they, whoever cooked, if it's Miss Paige or Miss Allie, they thank Miss Paige or Miss Allie, yes. and then they ask mom and dad to be excused. And that trains you to, to approach the food differently. It trains you to actually think, to be reminded every time, oh, this came from mom working really hard over there. Dad had to go make the money and she had to go get the things that are involved in all of that, that someone had to make it for them. When that's replaced with kind of a, a, a thankless vehicle, uh, like a fast food joint or ultra processed food, no one's really making the food anymore. It really does make you approach it differently. And it's hard for me to describe, but I think that you know it when you see it. Yeah. It's like the first time I, this was like way back in the day. I don't even know if we had kids yet when Dan's brother was slaughtering a pig and he stopped and prayed Mm -hmm. for the pig before we killed it. And I was like, what is happening? And like now that's totally normal. Yes. Totally normal for something like that to happen on a regular Saturday morning with a bunch of refuge people to be slaughtering animals and thanking the Lord for the meat. Like, but I didn't have that because I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. And then if you don't know where it came from, it's like, well, where does where do you give that thanks then to? Because yeah. you're not aware. This is yeah. another part. We've lost touch with the whole chain of thankfulness between our plate and the food chain and the God who made all things. So we're not thinking about all of our neighbors along that food chain yeah. that either are being blessed or harmed by the production of that food. We're not thinking about the creatures that God made. We're not thinking about the world that God made and how he made it to operate. So we're yes. not living with the grain of it often. Yeah. And we're not, and when it comes close to our plate, we're not thankful to the mother who made it, the wife who made it, 
the the friend who made it. And I think that's because we're not interested people. Yeah. Interested people will eat better. In uh, Joel Salatin's book, The Pigness of the Pig is f- so good on this because he gets you hyped about like the microbiology of the soil and, yeah. and why God made the pig in this way and not that way. And then, mm. you know, then let's build according to the pig's nature and then let's hype you about that. And then let's hype you about, let's kill it when all the good endorphins are going through their system and yeah. they're not being shuttled through, you know, a factory to be killed when they're stressed out because that'll ruin your meat. And like all of the details really matter because God is so interesting. His world is so interesting. Yes. That that's why to me, it's not, it really isn't a fear thing anymore for me. It was right. a long time ago. It's not, it's just fascinating. God's yeah. world is fascinating to me now. <laughs> it's fascinating. And it's like when you care about the world that God made, you want to live with the grain of it. Yes. And you don't want to be the screeching, jarring note. You don't want your dinner table to be this cacophonous, jarring out of tune note with the world that God made. But too often our dinner tables are jarring, screeching, cacophonous notes that none of our food is ringing in harmony. Our hearts aren't ringing in harmony with what God made. I actually have two quotes from Salatin that I wanted to read and then make a a little point and ask for your You're quoting Salatin? Yeah, babe. I I wanted to hit on you. I you could get more attractive. I wanted to hit on you in this podcast, and I thought that'd be the most convenient way. Also, I think Salatin's really wrong on some things, too, so. Yeah, sure. I don't think he's met people like us before. I wish he has, but I don't think he... Well, he knows John. He knows John, though. Yeah, John's great. John Moody, uh, yeah. frugal homesteader, rogue food. Yes. Um, I do think, actually, I want to say something about that. It, I have a hard time pointing at any one person, teacher, movement thing and saying, I'm that. Yeah. Because so often I'm like 60% that. Like, love a ton of points that Pastor Wilson makes in Food Catholic. And then there's also points where I'm like, and we've talked about this, we're like, and I also would really love to hear like Gordon Wilson like yeah, and then maybe Daniel Focuson and yeah. some like a chef and uh-huh. and then John Moody and and them like do a roundtable and then mm-hmm. write a book all like bringing it yes. all together yes um because I I'll be like I love that those point. are the four specific people too that I would want to have together if I had my exact way and then I would be the interviewer you would just be I would be the interviewer because I've read all the books and I can say hey. Uh-huh argue with each other about this point on this page. Yeah. That summary. Because a lot of times you'll find out that, so actually the episode two times ago is a good example of this. Someone might hear that episode and think, wow, they they don't really care about food quality and stuff. And it'd be like, well, no, no, no. We were talking about this ditch and we've really seen pastorally people yeah. in it. We're trying to help them. And you don't want to be in that ditch. It's a bad ditch. But there are other ditches. And sometimes when yeah. you read a book and you're like, ah, I wish they had talked about this other thing. Yeah. The author wasn't disagreeing with you. They were just not writing that book. Yeah. They were writing a different book. They were emphasizing one point for one time and then something yeah. else for another time. So here's the quote. Salatin, I have two quotes, and I think they relate. It says, you know, in our culture today, we don't ask how to make a pig happy. We ask how to grow it faster, fatter, bigger, cheaper. And that's not a noble goal. And then he says... The industrial food system is so cruel and so horrific in its treatment of animals, it never asks the question, should a pig be allowed to express its pigness? And those are the right questions to me, because as good stewards, what we're always trying to do is not just ask, what is nature like, and let's leave it exactly that way, but we're also not just trying to say, what is nature like, let's do the exact opposite. A wise steward, a wise lord a godly Lord, a godly lady goes in the creation and it takes a minute to look and it says, take the pig. It says, what is this creature? It is tasty. I know that (laughs) it is delicious, but what is a pig? What is it for? (laughs) What did God make this thing to do? What makes God smile about the pig? Mm -hmm. And you start to notice things. Salatin points out that the entire pig is pointed to its snout it's like it's a rooting animal. Mm-hmm. So its whole body, all of its muscles, its power is really oriented to the ground, to the earth, to this digging, rooting. It eats that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then modern industrial pork farming, mm-hmm. even in China. On cement slabs. China's took taken it a, a step further even. I saw no. an industrial farm in China. It was like a parking garage with 50 floors, and it was just all pigs. So they're making pigs that God made with their whole body pointed to the snout to root, and they're putting on a concrete floor its whole life. It can't root. So it's injuring itself. It's diseased. It's monoculture. 
There's none of the, yeah. the variety. They're not what, and the problem isn't that they're trying to make a lot of food to feed a lot of people. Yeah. Or that they're trying to do that affordably. Those aren't problems. Those That's good. Good. Like we yeah, should try to out. do that. Yeah. Okay. But the problem is that they're not noticing. They're not paying attention to what God did with this animal and then asking, how can I make this pig happy? Because the thing is, when you do that, the people can be happy and the pig could be happy. And the pig, the meat is literally better for you. Yeah, you, everybody <laughs> does better when you notice. Yeah. When you, we were just talking about this, that when you notice that the cow is an amazing upcycler. Yeah. And it can take actually poorer ingredients, poorer food, and turn it into, or it can it can take food that has contaminants in it. Yeah, what were we things talking like about? That. This? We were talking oh, about oh, the chicken. I said this is why I eat beef when we're out. Yeah, pharmaceuticals. instead of chicken is because beef is better at getting crap. Beef is better than crap chicken. It will beef a beef cow will you will find less pharmaceutical junk and things in that than in a chicken or yes. in a pig. Yes. So. If you notice that, it will change how you treat all of these different animals. Like, you will be very careful about how you feed a pig because you'll say, yeah. I'm going to eat everything that goes into this in the meat. Whereas a, a, a cow, you might. Well, okay. I would never feed a cow a tire. Obviously, we're to still me, not going to feed the cow birth control. So, this is where it becomes for me, pastured animals is an environmental issue first before it's an issue of the diet of the animal. Does that make sense? Yeah, I still think ecosystem. it's wrong to do, even if a cow could live in a feedlot and eat tires and still give me a yummy steak, I still think it's wrong because it's bad for the environment. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what are some issues with food quality? And what are some of the biggest foods? Okay, let's say we've convinced a mom, okay, a wife. Okay, I need to think about this. Like, we're, we're not doing well here. We're just going full processed. We don't, you know, give us all the canola. We, we're... We drink a shot of canola before bed every day. <laughs> but I agree with you guys. What are some of the biggest foods to avoid to see improvements in family health? What are some of the biggest issues with food quality today and food chain that some starting points mm -hmm. for the beginner to intermediate? Okay. To say, how can, how can I practically now, like actually do a little, like grow in this. Okay. Not be perfected tomorrow, but grow. Well, I think it's important that you need to know your family and what your family likes. Yeah. And even what you like, like what are you interested in? And maybe start there because those are likely the foods you're consuming a lot of in a processed way. Mm -hmm. I feel like we talked about this maybe on that episode. or We talked about this somewhere. Like what yeah. are your fa family's favorite junk foods? Can you either find a better option or can you make a better option? You just made us these chicken tenders that were fried in ghee tonight. Oh, they were so and good. They were so good. Everything not a seed oil and from Hope's Table has been really good. If you guys need a new cookbook, we've I've been cooking for it for a few months now and everything's been we've like say Hope's Table. Hope's Table. She's men and I yeah. Okay. It's Excellent. really good. Okay, so find some ways of doing the food. Start with what I like that. Start with what they like. Mm -hmm. you, do, you don't want to as a wife be like, we are gonna fix things up around here. Yeah. And so no. everything is going to be horrible. <laughs> no, no. You're all going to be miserable. No. And you're going to long for the days of Egypt around the flesh pots. No. It's like of Taco Bell. No, you, you, you want to start with what they like. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I foods to avoid, I guess like just figure out how to make things from scratch. I, I, I have resources that might be more helpful for people. So than, I'm thinking of things like, Eliminating poofas and seed oils. Oh yeah, what that, are those, and how might somebody eliminate them? Yeah, from that's their diet? the biggest one. Okay, so a seed oil. Okay, the only oils I am currently okay with cooking within my home are coconut, lard, tallow, butter, ghee, which is clarified which is butter, butter. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh huh. Even, Sometimes olive well, oil. Olive if, oil, yes, but if I don't we can eat make sure, I'm not heating it. Yeah, I only. That we know I only where buy it's fancy from. olive oil, and because of that, I don't use it very often. And that's because people have found that a lot of olive oil companies that are claiming to be selling you pure olive oil are actually cutting it with seed oils. Same thing with canola. And I mean, with avocado now. With avocado oil as well. Yeah. So a lot of the time, when you actually open up a jar of this from the shelf in a store, a lot of the time it's rancid and cut with yeah. with. So why are seed oils and poofas bad for a human body? How, how are they mm -hmm. made? Mm -hmm. Maybe go into that a yeah, little bit. Because so, I think people here, they're like, oh, seed oils. But what's the problem with yeah, what so is it? And what's the problem My with friend it? over at, my friend Andrea over at Farmstead 
Hearth has an a whole entire ancestral kitchen podcast about this. So I probably can get some of the details wrong. Essentially, they were used during the war. Then when the war ended, we had like an excess of these seed oils. I can't remember which one. One of them was even a candle company that was like making it really big. And then we started using light bulbs. And so we had this product that we still, they still wanted to sell because they were still companies. So what they started to do was just pump it into our food essentially because it was so cheap. So it was good for both them to keep being able to sell it to market, but it was also good for the market. Well, they thought to be able to sell it to people to consume. Uh The reason specifically they're bad is that they're, they're subject to, I think they become a carcinogen. Once they're heated, they go rancid. So you extreme heat in the production process. Yes. So you can't get them out of like the cotton seed or the canola plant, you can't get the oil out without heating it. So it comes out rancid. Whereas with coconut oil, you'll hear this called like high, um, high heat specific word. They stand up under high heat. And a lot of the times it's because they're more solid. They're saturated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't want to be pumping rancid oils into your body because that's what's clogging up your heart and everything. It's not actually the butter or the coconut oil. Yeah. They're, they're highly inflammatory, highly inflammatory. Yeah. They're highly inflammatory and the production. Like you said, they were machine oils. Yes. They were made to lubricate machinery. They were literally not food products. You guys, right. We used to have lard as our main yeah. uh, machine. Even machine lubrication was via lard. There were whole breeds of lard pigs that have gone extinct because that was Sadly. how we, all of our factories were lubricated and, and mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. So then they, they discovered how to get these minute amount of oils out of corn and rapeseed and uh, sunflower and all these other seeds because there's not a lot of oil. It's not like an olive. If you've ever watched olive oil being pressed, the first cold press of an olive oil, it's not hot. It's just room temperature. They press the olives in a big press and oil gushes out and it's beautiful. And this is why you will see some olive oil bottles say cold pressed because You do want cold press olive they oil. Heat, they then they take that and they heat it and yes. run a second one and a third one. Yeah. So heat is one of the problems, and the production of these oils uh, by necessity, the way that you get the oil out is by extreme temperature. Yeah. It, and it's a very industrial process. Then they use many other additives and chemicals to clarify and extract and produce. So all of this whole process is producing something that it's not that it can become bad. It mm-hmm. is sitting on the shelf the second it's bottled. It's rancid. Yeah, it's already inflammatory, bad. Inflammatory. Yeah. And it's very bad for you. And it's in everything. And it's frustrating because it's in organic food too. There's yeah. no regulation around seed oils right now at least. Um, there's a few companies that will advertise like seed oil free or yeah. coconut oil, potato chips or whatever. Or even but, palm oil in some corn chips is like not, yeah, anyway, not as bad. <laughs> but there's like tears yeah. From best to yes. worst. But yeah, it's in it's in everything, including organic food. So this is why I think it's important. And it probably will always be the case that it's important to be the one that puts the ingredients in your food. Yeah. I don't know any other way to put it. And so that means learning to cook. So that you have, and what Lexi's talking about is that when you have a meal that you're making, you are taking the butter and the flour and the salt yes. and the seasoning and the and you're putting it in the leaven and you're, like, you're doing all of that. You're not buying a, a pancake mix mm-hmm. and then adding the canola oil and you're just learning the art of cooking. Yeah. And, and what it immediately does is it makes you realize what is in everything. Because mm-hmm. you, you find very quickly that, oh, tons of these recipes call for vegetable shortening mm-hmm. and seed oils and things like that. So one of the biggest first things I, I really do think families can do is they can just start to become aware of ingredients. Yeah. What's in their food and then try, you know, start by trying to eliminate and it was fu- it was funny to me that this is so pervasive. We had called a couple stores. We don't go out to restaurants very often for lots of reasons, but we had heard about a new seed oil free one. We got confused about where it was. I was calling around talking to a couple chefs. I promise you guys, I'm not this fussy. It's just that my <laughs> mom works with doctors and the doctors told her, have Lexi go to this specific restaurant. So I was trying to find this specific one. Mm-hmm. So you were like, how? Oh, it was our favorite restaurant down in Salt Lake, um, yeah. Gormandy's. It's mm-hmm. Christian owned, one of our favorite restaurants. Like, Amazing high pastries. Pastries. Yes. French bistro. Okay. So I called, and the chef was like, oh no, canola oil. And and Brian was like, canola oil in a, in a pot roast? How do they do that? And I'm like, well, you got to sear it. You 
syrup and canola oil than rather than butter. They should just use butter, but they don't. So it was just, it was interesting to me because even you who you're around someone cooking a lot, who cares a lot about this, you care about this. And it still, it was like, Oh, it literally is in everything. Like why it's a tablespoon. Why <laughs> just put a pat of butter in the We need way pan. more Christians doing And this. it frustrates well, me too. It's like, sorry, go ahead. It's in so many beauty products. I could keep going on, on. Yeah, I know. So many beauty products. There's like so many essential oil brands that yep. use it. It's so frustrating because you're like, well, I guess I, that's what I've been realizing is like, I have to go back to making all of my beauty products because it's in everything. Our sponsor, Private Family Banking Partners, is on a mission to help Christians live out the Dominion Mandate by making a stealth-like move away from the mainstream banks and into their own privatized banking system. This innovative system is designed to guarantee uninterrupted compound interest and tax-free growth without exposure to typical stock market risks. To join this growing community that is already building wealth into future generations and converting post-mill talk into post-mill action, contact Private Family Banking Partner Chuck DeLatteranti at his email, chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. That's chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. To set up an appointment and to receive a free copy of Chuck's new book, Protect Your Money Now, How to Build Multi-Generational Wealth Outside of Wall Street and Avoid the Coming Banking Meltdown, go to the links in the show notes below. Did you know that fresh American black elderberries are naturally high in phosphorus, vitamin A, vitamin B6, and vitamin C, as well as many anthocyanins that serve as antioxidants? Regular supplementation with elderberry extracts has been shown to decrease chance of influenza and lessen cold duration in symptoms. The King's Ridge fresh frozen elderberries are hand-picked, de-stemmed, washed, and quickly frozen at their family farm in East Central Indiana. Their whole operation is designed around maximizing freshness and antioxidant content of their berries. Trevor and Autumn truly hope that their elderberry syrup and fresh frozen elderberries bless your family this cold and flu season. Don't buy dried European elderberries and support the global economic agenda. Visit TKRFarm.com and purchase your elderberry needs from the Kings Ridge elderberries. And that link is in the description for you. We need more companies like M's Donuts, M's yes. Little Donuts in our church. Yes. Halverson Halverson's. family. Uh, Mrs. Halverson is like a trained sous chef, right? Is that what it was? Uh-huh. Yeah. So she's, every time at Psalm Sing, we do a potluck. And every week I just wait by the door and I watch. <laughs> Till Matt when comes Mrs. in. When Mrs. Halverson comes in and whatever she puts on the potluck table, I pray the Lord's protection over it because <laughs> all the women and children go first. So sometimes some of the dishes are exhausted by the time the men get there. And, and I pray the Lord's protection over her dish that there would be some left when I pass by it <laughs> because it's always amazing. And uh, they, they opened a donut stand at our local farmer's market and they use no seed oils. They fry in lard. It's amazing. And, and it's, I mean, truly delicious donuts, hot out of the mm. lard. And it's funny because people have no idea. Yeah. I mean, you'll be like, this is not cooked in seed oils. You know that stand down there selling you those nice donuts? Those are all fried in canola. Yeah. You, you want that in your body? And people are like, what are you talking about? So we need more Christians who are recovering the food chain, and it's really a difficult, it's hard work, but it's a good work. Mm -hmm. And um, I do, I think it's a good starting point. Like get cooking, get knowing your ingredients and start identifying where is the the industrial modern tariff. What about meat? Let's talk about meat a little bit. When you're looking for chicken, what kind of chicken are you looking for? I was going to say, I think one of the best things you can do in general is probably just boost your meat and protein intake. Yeah. And, and I don't mean just beans. I mean animal protein. Yeah. Um, that alone will just nourish your bodies more and make you healthier and yeah. able to repair from any other damage that is coming in through seed oils and stuff mm-hmm. like that. What say that? So again? when you're when you're looking at okay, picture a wife, she's like, Okay, I want to do a good, why are, good why job do of this. Why do you want me to nerd out this much? Because that's what the people <laughs> want. I'm giving the people what they want. <laughs> If they were in the room, they'd be asking these questions. Uh, th- okay, at- this is not me being fussy. My husband asked for it. No, and again, like to, to clarify, <laughs> I've, I've had this conversation recently with another family where the husband had to say, like, honey, we can't afford right now to buy all of that chicken. Okay. We have to sometimes buy 
the normal Costco chicken, and I and I want you to do that and be <laughs> thankful for it. Yeah, and and not be anxious again. Yeah. Cheerful, understanding that you might not have the budget tomorrow uh-huh. to replace everything in your food chain. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to freak out and be anxious about that. Okay, don't fall in that ditch. Yeah, or the ability, because this isn't everywhere. It's unique that we yeah, have the community we do. Yeah. So when you're looking at a ch- uh, some chicken, and let's okay. like take aside, we do have a local family that's like making chicken where from beak to beak to whatever it is, claw. It's we know what went into it and all. And of we that. use it all. Okay, but I'm you're going to Costco and you're okay. looking at all the chicken at Costco. What type of chicken of the chicken at Costco are you looking at and saying I'd rather have that than this? Okay. Because there was one the other day we were in yeah. the store and I was, I'm trying to like, <laughs> I'm trying to eat more protein. And I was like, babe, let's get this chicken. She's like, no, you should get this chicken, not this chicken. Cause it's this. And I was like, I don't even know what that <laughs> is. Teach me. Well, in an ideal world, okay, Costco specifically. I'm just saying you're okay, at Costco. I'm at Costco. Costco doesn't have good chicken. Right. It's not going to be like the type that you'd be looking for yeah. in heaven or in Correct. Eden. So I got the air chilled chicken, even Mm -hmm. though it wasn't an organic chicken. There was organic chicken there, but I got the air chilled chicken because I, I know that eating like a piece of meat that's not the best quality piece of meat is better than not eating meat at all. And like replacing it with a salad or something. Yeah. But with chicken specifically, well, not chicken specifically, but it's air chilled, which means they didn't dunk it in bleach before cooling it to be sent to you in your grocery store. So well, I nice. hate to tell you guys this, but that because our food processing plants are so beyond human scale, they're way messier than what like one person can do just butchering in their backyard, which means they have to bleach everything down and clean mm-hmm. your meat. And that's what they do is they bleach the chicken. Oh, so that's, that's unpleasant. That's why I said, I'd rather just have the chicken. That's like a little worse quality, but is still a whole food. Yeah. And not have the bleach with it. Okay. <laughs> Wife trying to up the protein intake of the house. Yeah. There's chicken, there's pork, there's beef. What kind of cuts, what kind of things are you looking at to get the best quality bang for your buck, good protein stuff people are going to like? I know you said beef is often better. I prefer beef because it has better healthy fats with it. Mm -hmm. And because of that issue of nutrient density, there is almost zero difference between grass-fed, grass-finished beef and uh, grass fed grain finished kind of or just cows that kind of ate a bunch of random stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah so because of that i would rather do that because you're getting both quality meat you're getting quality um protein and you're getting quality fats in mm-hmm. that beef yeah that you're not getting with chicken most people are not eating the skin on their chicken they should be but they're not yeah so does that make sense yeah totally okay absolutely well i, I like this now what else yeah what are um what are some of the biggest foods to avoid to see improvements in your family's health. I know we've mentioned seed oils. I think I already asked you this question, but I'm asking again because I'm wondering if more has shaken loose. Um, I, I just, I think people need to stop obsessing over like f- veggies. <laughs> Thank you for saying that, babe. I really appreciate that. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Explain yourself though, because people okay. hear that and people have been trained to think in modern America, salad good, steak bad. Mm-hmm. Why is that incorrect? And why is it a waste of time to try to get a significant portion of your calories from salads and vegetables and budget inefficient? Okay. Let's take the first one. (laughs) Um, See all of Sally Fallon's books for this, but we, there have been so many studies that have been falsified doctors that have flat out lied, trying to make a correlation and causation between heart issues, cardiac issues and, and fat. Uh-huh. And they wanted to say, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think for science, I think for keeping their own paycheck, I think for liberal environment agenda, they were trying to say, it's in the fat, it's in the animal, it's in the, it's in the cow, yep. we need less cows. It's even how they sold margarine. Yes, so yes, exactly. That's Replaced why vegetable oil, that's why it's called vegetable oil, by the way, because yeah. they wanted you to think Ooh, it was it's healthy. healthy. It's a vegetable. So they falsified a bunch of stuff yeah, so to try and convince you Yeah, so they falsified a bunch of studies to try to convince you to stop eating the meat. So that is why we now today, like people freak out and say, oh, that's too high fat. It's too high fat. I don't want that. That's why all the people lifting weights are eating chicken breasts and broccoli. It's disgusting. What was the other questions you had? I lost so, them. 
I'm I'm asking specifically for why is it inefficient in your grocery okay. budget and not doing much for you to just eat a ton of raw vegetables. Okay. So raw vegetables are not bioavailable to our body. So <laughs> gosh, you asked for it. So seeds, when an, a bird eats a seed, it has a special thing that the Lord put on it that it can poop it out and plant it somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. So that's the way God has like created plants to spread so that the whole earth is filled with these glorious foods for us. Okay. Uh-huh. So when you have that raw food, there is an antagonist on it that wants to, it's protecting itself because it wants to replicate. To keep it from being digested. Correct. So it is actually a problem to your gut when you're eating all those foods and it's your body's actually not able to access that. Um, I don't somewhere Sally again, Sally Fallon taught me that the vitamins that you're trying to access through your fruits and vegetables ride and slide around your body and are used on butter on fat. They need fat. They need fat for our body to use them. Correct. So it's really not doing that much for you. If you're terrified to put some butter on your broccoli with your chicken that doesn't have any skin on it. No fat. Yeah. Because your body can't actually use that. That's not how it was designed to be used. Yeah. So does that make sense for that part of the question? Yeah. Okay. So then, so if you're going to sit down and say, well, this salad is healthy you're, and this steak is bad, the steak, your body uses those nutrients. It is bioavailable because yeah. this is the cool thing about the cow is it has multiple chambers in his stomach. Yeah, it has four stomachs. So it was able to digest all of that good stuff and get all the good stuff out of the grass for you. And now it's giving you a yummy steak. <laughs> yeah, that's why when you think about so it's it's living on vegetables. Yeah. All that's what a cow eats. Just it vegetables. It ate vegetables, so you don't have to. <laughs> and it, but it had to have four separate stomachs. Yes. And uh, and animals have other things too, like gizzards, and they have you know they have other uh, aspects of their digestion that goes to the very difficult work of taking plants and turning it into meat. Now we don't human have that. beings were not designed, yeah, primarily for that. So so when you here's the budget, I'm thinking budget too. Yeah, that's why I, I was going to say yeah, that. Go next. ahead and you talk to the budget thing because um, I, I think it's important. It's so flipping expensive yeah, to buy as much. Produce. Yes, it's so expensive, you guys. It is way cheaper to go buy you know steaks for your families and a bag of sweet potatoes and a stick of butter than it is to you know get your broccoli, get your I mean asparagus, your lettuce. Yeah, it's so expensive. Yeah, you think you're filling people's bellies with with expensive volume that's not doing a lot for them. And yeah. I know your mind is trained to be like, no, but that's where all the vitamins are. I need the brightly colored it's vegetables. Not true. No, you get the vitamins from the steak. Yes. From the from, from the, the, eggs, from the animal. From, from the, the egg. butter. From the It's been concentrated by the yes. animal into that yes. medium. Yes. That's where you get your nutrients. People have also been trained to think that like a lot of minerals and things are like just drink all you the water you can possibly minerals. drink. Drink as much water as possible. Yeah. And what you really need are fruits. Fruits and fruit minerals. Juice. Yes. She legit. Yes. Yeah, this is why I will spend more money on local quality farmed fruits in the summer because the farming matters because of the mineral content. We need those minerals. Yeah. Our soils are depleted in minerals because of the way we farm. Because so of monoculture and fertilizer yeah. culture. You take a tomato from a hundred years ago, you put it through all of the you know scientific chemical analysis of what's in it. You take that same tomato breed today, same size and everything, same see you know pulled at the same time from the plant. The tomato today is poor. Do you want to talk like about tomatoes guy. today? So you know how everyone's like freaking out about don't be a rebel canner. What do you mean by rebel canner? Rebel canning is mean, when but... you don't follow like the USDA. Is it USDA? There's like a, some entity that says gives you rules to follow when canning, or they scare you into like giving your You're whole get family boxes. Mm-hmm. But so like a family recipe that's passed down hasn't been approved by that board, so you probably don't want to follow it. Sort of a thing, and people get it's really it can get really heated. 
So <laughs> women, <laughs> women are silly. funny. A, a lot of this is because of the way we farm today. Our food is less acidic because of the soil. So tomatoes is a perfect example. Heirloom tomatoes are genuinely safer to can than non-heirloom tomatoes because they have the correct acidity in them. You're not going to mess them up in the same way that you could possibly mess up modern breeds of tomatoes uh-huh. but that's their fault that's not my fault so them creating all these food rules is them covering up their butts okay gotcha. does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah. and it's the same for so so when i am canning things i do think in terms of that quality i might not care you know if i'm going to buy some vegetables to eat you know but if i'm preserving it i know i have that little bit of knowledge that i'm using to figure out where to spend more money where to spend less yeah. does that make sense yeah so why don't we land this plane? Because we, oh, wow. we actually okay. talked about obesity at the beginning. I'm thinking of, this would work for a man too, but I think specifically for female listener, like, okay, you've, you're 10 years into marriage, you've had some kids, you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I have 50 to 100 pounds on mm-hmm. my body that I don't, I, I don't want, I, it's not healthy, I, I need it, I've been letting this go. What are some just big rules of thumb Mm-hmm. that a woman in that situation and maybe some resources that she could use to not just lose weight, but to be healthier. Mm-hmm. And one of them that comes to mind for me is like simple, and this is for men and women, eat more quality protein mm-hmm. and actually track what's going into your body so that you you have an idea, not every single nuance of everything, but when you start actually paying attention to what you're eating through a day, mm-hmm. you realize that you thought you were eating 1800 calories and you're like, I'm not losing weight. And you were eating the average American eats 3,500 calories a day, yeah. which guarantees that you will gain a pound about every week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you start writing that down, you realize, Oh, I thought I was eating 1800 calories, but then I had that handful of nuts that was 600 calories. And mm. I had this other thing and just tracking it. If you eat high quality protein, and more of it, like a, you know, the whole gram per mm-hmm. per pound, pound you weigh, of body weight, yeah. And then you track that right there. Will just give you a good baseline mm-hmm. to start with to see, like, this is well, there was my problem. Like eighty percent of the time, you'll see eighty percent of your problem was one of those two things. Yeah. What are some other good rules of thumb? You've used Trim Healthy Mama. You've used different things. Yeah, even Trim Healthy Mama is so veggie focused. Yeah, that, I know. See, it's, it's another yeah. example of something we like part of it, Yeah, but not all of it. Yeah, and I do think if you have a lot of weight to lose, I do think it's okay to get to be like, I'm going to use Trim Healthy Mama to lose this weight. And then after that, I will explore a little bit more, but I don't know what I'm doing right now and I need something that works. And I think yeah. Trim Healthy Mama works. It does work. It does work. I would say... If you know that you're chronically under eating protein and you're relying on carbs and vegetables, Mm -hmm. I would say you just have to double your protein. And this was simple for me because because of my vegan background, I have been a perpetual under eater when it comes to protein. So I've Mm -hmm. had to tell myself like, okay, instead of three meatballs at dinner, it has to be six. Or instead of two burger patties for lunch, I mean, one burger patty for lunch, it has to be two. Instead of like just eating a banana in two pieces of bacon, it's going to be banana, two pieces of bacon and a smoothie with three raw eggs in it. So I've had to just think, okay, double that. And I would just say like carbs coming from, uh, this makes, this is going to make me sound like I'm a stricter eater than I am because I'm really not. I eat whatever the heck I want usually, but I do think it's wise if you're trying to lose weight to have healthier carbs. So maybe carbs from fruit instead of carbs from like a bagel in the morning. So if you like to have bagel and eggs, why don't you have instead like eggs and fruit and milk or a sourdough bagel instead? Or chai, you know, whole milk, chai, make a chai syrup, put some collagen protein in it, stuff like that that's... Pro, the, the, the beauty of protein, when you start thinking a lot about your protein... Yeah, you taught me something recently about protein that was interesting. Protein, when you digest it, it takes your body a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And so if you eat a certain number of calories in protein, um, it actually takes your body a significant number of calories to break it down and, and begin to use the calories from the protein. So you need protein, number one. You need whole animal proteins in your diet, mm-hmm. complete proteins. But then when you have more of them your body is actually getting into a state where your metabolism is ramping up mm-hmm. to deal with all of the protein that you're, mm-hmm. you're eating. And so that, that's one of the reasons why people go on carnivore and they experience a lot of you know, weight loss and health mm-hmm. benefits. It's just because 
they would have many of the similar benefits if they actually just high, you know, increase their protein significantly Correct. and also yeah. ate other things yeah. and watch the overall calories. Um, but that's, that's a, that's w- just one of the reasons why protein is such an important piece. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there are really two rules, but you do. So I, I you don't want to cut carbs though. And you don't want to cut fat, especially because, as a woman, especially as a woman, because if you're, so your brain works when you're stressed, your brain works quickly with sugar, fat, carbs. Okay. It, mm-hmm. it, protein is not a quick way for the body to cope with stress. So what happens if you like a mom, not even emotionally stressed, but like you have a bunch of kids and you're playing at the park with them all day. Your body is in physical stress, keeping up with your daily duties. Yeah. So you, if you're starving your brain of the fat and carbs, your body's going to go, Oh no, there's a famine coming. Hold on to the weight. It has to do with the physiology of turning protein into sugar in your body which happens in your liver when you're in ketosis. That's why the keto diet is ketosis. It's where your liver is making sugar for your body to use. Mm -hmm. And you don't get into this state unless you haven't had sugar or carbohydrates for 24 plus hours, and then you get into ketosis. And it does other cascading things in your body when you get into that state all the time that are not positive when it comes to cortisol, cortisol, stress hormones, and other net, basically your body's saying there's a negative response happening mm-hmm. that is also triggering cascading yeah. effects in other places. Yeah. Which is why we don't advocate typically, yeah. unless it's for an elimination diet or yes. some kind of other reason. And this, there are legitimate reasons. This is also why when you are feeling stressed at the end of the day, you're like, man, I just want to sit down with, you know, a bowl of popcorn or a bowl of ice cream in front of the movie because your body is, it needs that quick access to a calorie that it can use yeah. to cope. So sugar's, sugar's great. Ha- have a Coke with a burger have and a you'll Mexican be great. Mexican Coke. Yeah. Have a real sugar Coke and you'll be totally like people have actually studied this. We're, we're waxing eloquent here, but when your body is digesting food, protein, Having sugar available mm-hmm. is very helpful to the bioavailability of, mm-hmm. of what you're you're taking in. So this is what one of the reasons why if you just back out and you kind of ask like a five-year-old, if God made a world where human bodies run on sugar and where it's a land flowing with milk and honey and, and uh, bread is good in the Bible, like bread yeah. is a good thing, and meat is a good thing, and fat is a good thing, and all these things are, are good, then just... Barring some weird circumstance, would you want to permanently eliminate any of those things from your diet? And the answer is no, you probably wouldn't. Mm. God probably designed your body to be able to handle all of those things. Yeah. So what people tend to do, though, is they get really anxious sometimes, and then they convince themselves that this one thing is causing all of their problems. A lot of times it's sugar. Like, oh, sugar's causing all of my problems. I'm like, no, not eating enough protein and eating too many calories is causing your problems. Sugar's not your problem. You can have some sugar in, in your life and you'll be perfectly fine, like 999 people out of 1,000. But we get really anxious and then what's really causing our problems half the time is just we're flipping anxious. Yeah. We're not thankful. We're not ruling well, but we're, we're starting to try to fall for the miracle fix. Yeah. If I just do this one weird thing or it'll fix everything. It's like, no, self-control, self-rule, yeah. studying the world God made, notice the pig, Notice the cow. The other thing I wanted to say was I saw someone, she was a female weightlifter who's kind of like repeat minded a little bit, post a picture of her plate where, and she said, calorie deficit doesn't need to be nutrient deficit. Yeah. And as just seeing what was on her plate, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so helpful for me to reorient the way I'm thinking about calorie deficit. There was something else. Oh, and, and another small tip I had was do protein sides. So I actually yeah. did start, I haven't done this, we did recently actually, like I'd pull out a bag of shrimp to add as a side to yeah. our meals. So based. To just fry them in butter and just, it's a protein side, I'm making sure I'm getting more protein. This that is was. how glorious it is sometimes at our dinner table, where I'm like, oh, what's for dinner, babe? <laughs> We're having pork chops. I'm like, oh, okay, pork chops, I love pork chops. Excellent. Let's cook those pork chops. Oh, what's this? Those are the shrimp. I'm like, I thought we were having pork chops. She's like, no, the shrimp are the side. And I just... I just lean her over and I kiss her real good. I say, thank you. You're the best. What are we going to talk about in the kitchen? 
we got to keep our foodiness going for our folks. Yeah, just so you guys know, we have a Patreon-exclusive show that we release most weeks called In the Kitchen on our Patreon channel where we talk about other stuff. Sometimes Lexi Solo does some nerdy stuff about Ray Pete, you know, or aspirin or temp drop and fertility tracking. Sometimes we talk together. Today, we're going to talk about something else food-related, probably some recipes. I don't know yet. Something good. So we're going to land this plane because it's been over an hour. What? And, yeah. Oh, my land. I know, babe. Every time we sit <laughs> I need down my record, ice cream. <laughs> Lexi says, let's just do a quick one tonight. And I'm always like, okay, babe. And then we do a 40 to 50 minute every single time. Woo. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope this has been helpful. Don't fall in any of the ditches. Uh, stay out of them. Keep your feet on the, on the straight and narrow. Worship the Lord. Be thankful for your food. And, uh, man, ladies, put your back into it. Lord bless what? you in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was the conclusion of one of my sermons oh recently my on godly femininity. It was just, ladies, put your back into it. Like, work. Seriously, though, who's telling you that? Ladies, work hard. You can work hard. You You're can. strong. You can do it. Seriously, go read Proverbs 31. She's strong. Her arms are strong because she works hard. So, work hard. Get up early. Go to sleep on time. Eat your meat. Love your people. Love Jesus. Love your people. <laughs> Love the Lord. We'll see you next time.